the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin with you, AsianBoxing.info. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day, wherever you may be. We appreciate you. And Scott, I appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, how are you doing? Not too badly. And yourself? You know what? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just hanging out here uh, before work. I do have work later on today, but uh, I'm glad that we get to record right now and talk about some boxing. I'm calling this show, this is the Hear Ye, Hear Ye show, because it's all about announcements. It's all about big fights that are coming up. Scott, let's start off with, I think, the the huge one, at least worldwide. Naoya Inoue is finally going to be getting back in the ring after his impressive performance against Nonito Donairi last year, it's it's going to be a, a good fight, a solid fight against Jason Maloney on October 31st. Yeah, I think you summed up really well there with a solid fight. It's not the fight we wanted. It's probably not the fight we um, will add at number two or number three in our list. We want to see Inouye with Casemiro or Bali or Neri. In reality, though, Jason Maloney is a really good opponent he's solid he has um he's got experience in the u.s he looked rather good last time out his only loss is to emmanuel rodriguez though and i think that's that's what makes it a solid bow as opposed to anything better because we all saw what he knew it did to rodriguez but yeah it's a solid um top rank debut for anywhere and i think for him he's had almost a year off so it's good to get back in maybe not against the toughest opponent, but against a competent opponent where he could shake some rust off. Yeah, I think there's also this misconception um, that Inu has just been stuck on his ass for the last sort of six months. He's been incredibly busy. He's recently done some work with a sports wear fitness company and um, where they've done a special sweatsuit. He's been doing adverts and TV, so he's looked in good shape. He's been talking about um, the bout he's just finished the training camp last week so he is staying in good shape but of course there's a difference between being in good shape and being being ready for a top top tier opponent i think maloney will be the sort of opponent that will make anyway step up his game without being too much of a risk and we talked about this last week it might have been a blessing in disguise that the fight against Casimiro was postponed, or any fight was postponed, just to let that eye injury heal. Yeah, we did mention that, and in photographs, it does look better. It still doesn't look 100%. I don't think it ever will do, though, going forward. Um, but it looks so much more, so much better than it did in February and January. It's clear that the extra time has helped it heal a little bit more. It'll be a good chance to actually test how he um, how he takes a punch now, actually, against Maloney. Maloney hits hard enough to, you know, perhaps perhaps test the eye, perhaps test how he knew he is after being hit on the... Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's, it's certainly best that he did take time out as opposed to rush back. Yeah, I am so excited for this fight. Uh, just because I want to see Inoue back in the ring... I've had uh, Inoue withdrawals ever since that uh, unreal fight, the drama in Saitama 
against Nonito Donaire. That was an incredible fight, and it'll, it'll be just good to see Inoue back in the ring on October 31st in Las Vegas. But, Scott, that, that was the big news, at least worldwide. But in Japan, oh my goodness, we have a bunch of fighters that are coming back into the ring. Yeah, it almost seemed like last week after we uh, recorded the podcast, there was just announcement week. Uh, Hiroto Kaigushi, for example, announced his next defense. Uh, that'll take place in November against Tangsak Simshri, who is better known by the Thai press nickname of Shrisaket 2. He's a heavy-handed Thai. He comes from the same town that Shrisaket did. He um, He's unbeaten with a record of 14 or 12, and they'll clash on November 3rd at the Intex in Osaka. There will be tickets available for this. There'll be around 2,000 people in the venue. It'll also be streamed live on YouTube on Kayagushi's own YouTube channel. So international viewers, welcome. Well, that's high praise for someone to be called Sri Skit number two. I mean, this kid must be tough. He's tough, he's exciting. He perhaps isn't ready for someone on Kayagushi's ability, but the ties do like throwing him in quickly. We saw the same with Stam Kiatniwa a few years ago. Uh, going way back, Netranoi Vol, uh, sorry, Netranoi saw Vorosing, I think it was 17 or 18 when he won a world title. The ties, if they feel their talent, their charge is good enough, they'll give him the shot. And I think that's what they're doing with Simtree. Interestingly, Simtree has fought in Japan. He's got links to Japan. He's um, co-promoted by Green Suder in Osaka. So in some ways, he perhaps isn't this complete outsider to Japan. But they have had issues getting his team visas, and they've just delayed when they'll be arriving in Japan by a few days. So fingers crossed he'll be over there sooner. But they had planned, I believe, to get there on the 20th September, and that's been delayed. Scott, my big question for you is, is will we get, or when will we get, Kiyoguchi versus Kenshiro Taraji? The future. <laughs> That's not good uh, enough for me. My belief on that is we won't see it until Kenshiro's equaled Yoko Gushikin's Japanese title defensive record. I think after that, we'll probably see that the next one. Oh, uh, okay. So Ken's not willing to put that record on the line against a guy like Kyoguchi. I think he'd be willing to, but I think the TV companies might want to keep him apart until that sort of thing has been done. And then he you hit that record, and then you unify for another huge payday, another huge event. Um, it definitely won't be happening when we've got limited fans. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, we're in this this pandemic, so you can't pack the stadium. So probably want to wait until you can have full capacity in whatever arena they're going to put that fight in. But honestly, that's a fight that, man, I've been waiting for for a long time, and I, I'm sure a lot of other fans have as well. Yeah, I think the um, the pandemic's probably pushed that back. I think you also ain't got mandatories and other things due. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kenshiro announce a bout for December potentially against somebody like Tetsuya Hisada. Um, just based on travel restrictions, I think it'll be easier to make a domestic clash like that. Asianboxing.info, the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Hopefully you're having a great day listening to us wherever you may be. Kyoguchi, not the only man back in the ring. We also have a Daigo Higa sighting possibly soon.
Dayaka Higa will be in action in October. He will face Suya Satsumi on October 26th. Um, this will be Higa's debut as an ambition gym fighter. He transferred there earlier this year. The bout will also be his first on TBS. He just left um, Fuji TV. Uh, interesting, these two do have a bit of a backstory together. Satsumi twice beat Higa in the amateurs. So there's that to it. It's also Higa's first real bout against a Japanese opponent in years. Um, for Satsumi, it's a chance to rebuild from a very, very controversial draw. Um, in the God's Left Bantamweight tournament against Kazuki Nakajima. Given the styles of the two men, this has got war written all over it. It really is just a case of who can take the punishment and for how long. Yeah, for Higa, I just remember when he was coming up and everyone thought he was the next big thing. Of course, he ran into Christopher Rosales, a little bump in the road. But now he's back. Do you envision him getting back to that level where he's one of the top elite fighters in Japan? I don't think so. I think the bantamweight limit is probably going to be too much for him. I don't think he's going to manage to make this um, inroads uh, 118 pounds. He'll always be behind the likes of anywhere, the weight anywhere. Um, but in saying that, he does have a decent promote behind him. He does have a good TV channel behind him. He has, you know, goodwill with fans. I see him being in the title mix. Maybe Marlon as a world champion. What do you think happened to Higa? Because he was he was a buzzsaw through everyone. Uh, just knocking out all of the competition. And then he goes up against Rosales and, and fails. And then takes this long layoff. What do you think happened to him? He missed weight and was given a suspension ahead of the Rosales fight. Uh, he then lost his desire, and it took a long time for him to find that fire. And then he had a big public falling out with Yoko Gashiken, his then promoter. So it's kind of the suspension, obviously, you know, destroyed any momentum he was having. Then the promotional issues and the falling out with um, Gashiken, the change of gym. It felt like. There was an issue with Gushiken and Higa, um, who'd been really close earlier on in the career, and then split up, and it was it was messy at the end. That's unfortunate to hear. Uh, you know, I remember the suspension and being disappointed in that, uh, but you would want someone with his talent to bounce back and you know get back in there. Unfortunately, he didn't do that, and I think that long layoff really hurt him. I dare say that. Japan Boxing Commission tried to make a bit of an example of him. They'd had enough of people coming in missing weight. They'd had Surugu Moranaka do it for like the fifth time. They'd had Lewis Neri's situation a few months earlier. I think it was pretty much the case we have to put it down. Unfortunately, he was the one they put it down on. You would want a Boxing Commission to be very stern and very strict with things like weight, like illegal drug use. Uh, because, gosh, over in other boxing commissions, you don't see uh, as stern of a hand to other boxers. So I think it's a good thing because it deters boxers from cheating or not making weight, not being a professional. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is better in Japan where they do put the foot down on this than countries where they perhaps turn a blind eye or give you a six-month suspended sentence. 
buried B samples or whatever it is, but it then can hurt the guys that we like, the guys that we want to see. It's a double-edged sword. We want them to be punished, but we don't want our guys to be punished necessarily. We continue our announcement. Hear ye, hear ye, Asian Boxing Podcast episode where Scott is like the newspaper boy on the side uh, telling everyone about fights coming up. We have Inoue, Kiyoguchi, Higa, and also Katsunari Takayama. We have Katsunari Takayama returning to professional boxing years after his last bout. Um, but unlike most guys, you know, take an easy fight like we saw with Sergio Martinez recently, he's taken on Rita Kanishi, the former two-time world title challenger, who uh, is certainly not an easy opponent for anyone. This belt will be a light flyweight and will only be a six rounder. So, yeah, he's taking a tough opponent. He is only fighting over six rounds, but what a matchup. Um, Takeyama's original plan was to compete at the Olympics. He then failed to qualify, and instead of retiring, he's become a pro again in what is one of the weirdest careers I think anyone's ever seen. He he just has a love for the sport, right? It seems like he can't get away from, from it. And it, you know, he started his career in 2000. It's been 20 years. So you would think, nah, maybe you should step aside. But it just seems that he loves boxing so much. He wants to get back in there. I always have him down as a trendsetter. He gave up a Japanese license to chase the IBF title around the world. He then won the WBO title, becoming, I think, the second Japanese fight to win both titles. He unified titles. He He's laid out his own plan and he's gone with it. He's not followed what other people have done. He petitioned to get a amateur license. He petitioned the JBC to extend the uh, retirement age. He's done all these things that no one else would do just so he can fight more. It's a living legend. Uh, also, show Ishida coming back inside the ring. On that same show, there's actually a triple header. Uh, the Takiyama bout is one of three really good bouts on the card. Uh, Shoishida's in another against Toshiya Ishii. Shoishida is probably best known for his fight with Cal Yafai for the WBA uh, flyweight title. He lost um, in a world title eliminator last time out. Not last time out, but recently. Um, Whilst Toshiya Ishii is a really exciting young Japanese youth bantamweight champion, this has the potential to be an absolute all war. Uh, Ishida is a technical fighter, but Toshiya is a technical aggressive fighter. Uh, Ishii is probably best known for his last bout, in which he fought Haruki Ishikawa. They traded knockdowns, they had an absolute far on thriller. Um, yeah, this is a really, really tough test for Ishii, I think probably is the underdog, but Ishida is certainly not the fighter I think we all thought he was. I think Ishida is in must-win territory, and he's he's moving up in weight for it. He has the pressure on his shoulders. I, I'm not too sure about Ishida's chances on it. Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info, the best website for anything, anything pertaining to Asian boxing, Scott does an excellent job with it. Uh, Scott, you've given us some huge, huge announcements. Are there any other uh, fights that have been announced recently? Yeah, actually, I mentioned that the Takayama card is a triple header. The third belt on that will be Riku Kanu versus Ryoki Hirai. 
which takes us wonderfully full circle because Takayama's last bout was a win over Kano. Um, Kano versus Hirai is a Dewey BR Age of Pacific light flyweight title bout. That'll be the main event of that show. Um, Kano was once tipped as a future sensation from Japan. He's struggled so badly in recent years. Hirai needs a win. He's was a guy who's knocking on the door and has fallen apart. So that that's a really good main event. Um, it lacks the name appeal of Ishida or Takayama, but it is as a matchup brilliant. A really, really interesting uh, light flyweight point. It's going to be an interesting, interesting October. I mean, we are stacked October and beyond. We are just stacked with uh, great fight after great fight. Not only in Japan, but across the world. Boxing is back. It's exciting. Um, and boy, we're, we're in for a treat as we enter the winter uh, for boxing. Now, uh, we look beyond and we look ahead. But uh, right in front of us, there's a couple of cards that are coming up, including an Ohashi card on September 16th. It's weird. It comes to Ohashi, you tend to get one of three types of shows. You get the really high-level stuff the title-level middle shows, and then the sort of prospect shows. And this this one firmly falls into a prospect show. It's got Kazuki Nakajima, uh, Katsuya Yasuda, and Katsuki Mori on it, all unbeaten prospects, all fantastic talents, all very different type of fighters. Nakajima is fighting Kenta Nomura in what could be a very, very, very impressive showcase for Nakajima. Mori is fighting the tough but limited Yuki Yoshida. And again, what really should be a showcase for Mori, who is a fantastic talent. And Katsuya Yasuda is fighting Omri Bolivar, what could be the bout of the day. That's a good test for Yasuda. Ohashi, just they just know how to put out great cards, great events. And this is an, another one of them. Maybe there's not the big name on there, but just a lot of young talent, uh, up-and-coming talent. Yeah, it seems like Ohashi and I'd probably say Kadawebi and Watanabe just seem to be uh, unearthing a hell of a lot of young talent. Those three gyms are just really developing talent very quickly. And it's a really good sign of how good Japanese boxing is when you see some of these youngsters coming through so quickly um, in the number that they're coming through in. Speaking of young talent, we have outside of the country of Japan a couple of other young, young prospects i wouldn't say prospects i mean they're they're close to being at the world title level uh shojan ergashev the uzbekistan is going to be fighting he is going to be fighting and i'll butcher this guy's name dimitri melusha from belarusia uh, a week today uh, that's in st petersburg it's very much just a busy fight for ergashev who is Rumoured to be fighting Batazan Jukumbayev in November if he gets through this um, without any issues. Also, another prospect or a guy that was very close um, to at least getting a world title. He at least had a shot. King Tug, uh, who recently fought Gary Russell Jr., he's back in the ring. King Tug is back in the ring against a man from Barbados called Cobia Breedy in what I believe is a WBC world title eliminator. Um, so the winner this year should could potentially fight Gary Russell Jr. in 2021 in what would be Russell Jr.'s only fight of the year. 
Um, <laughs> on paper, <laughs> on paper, this is actually really well matched out. Ayambia is eleven and one nine. Breedy, although not a big name, is fifteen or five. Um, from what I've seen of Breedy, he has a really exciting style. He's very aggressive. He throws punches and bunches. He should make for a really, really interesting bout with Nambia. Um, this is, I believe, being televised on Showtime. So, yeah, tuning first one, it should be genuinely really fun. And I'm sure Nambar wants to get back in with Garrett Russell. Had uh, a disappointing performance, and I wouldn't, you know what, I, I'm going to take that back because Gary Russell, although he fights just once a year, very, very talented, and he he forces you to to get out of your comfort zone with that speed. So, um, I'm not going to say that Narimbar can't beat him, but it would be a, another tough matchup if he gets by Breedy and then fights Russell again. It would. Maybe it depends what time next year, though. Uh, Russell Jr. is now 32. That speed's going to go at some point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, guys eventually lose it at some point. And in, in the lower classes, it seems that speed, or you, you start to age a little bit quicker than the guys who are in, in the the heavier classes, at least. Yeah, 33 next year. Maybe, maybe that's the point. He's also, of course, um, wanting to fight Terence Crawford, I believe, or Devin Haney. I don't know who uh, Gary Russell Jr. wanted to fight the most, but it seems like he's having wars on Twitter every, every few days. That's how it is sometimes with us Americans. We love our Twitter wars. Twitter wars with guys far bigger than you. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, you don't want to pick on them. You don't want to wake the those bears because, gosh, Terrence Crawford is an absolute monster. And uh, Devin Haney also uh, up and coming as well. Uh, it's Asian Boxing, the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. Now, we started this last week, but uh, we want to do a profile every week of a young up-and-coming boxer. And this week, it just so happens we have a fighter who will be fighting on that Wednesday on the 16th uh, of September at Korokan Hall. That Ohashi card that we mentioned earlier, Katsuki Mori, a 20-year-old prospect, 6-0 and and uh, Scott, what do you have on Katsuki Mori? Katsuki Mori is, again, an Ohashi prospect. He's come through the Ohashi ranks. That's the same gym that Noye Nueza, Akira Yaigashi, Oryu Matsumoto. So he's at probably the best gym in Japan. Um, as an amateur, he was actually quite disappointing, though. He went 11-5, and five, though his style was apparently more suited to the professionals, and he turned professional age just 17. You mentioned he was 6-0. and oh, um, He actually has one knockout, and that came on his debut. Uh, way back in August 2018. Since then, all his bouts have gone the distance, but I think he's lost one round between them. He's looked absolutely sensational. If you like smart boxers, punch pickers, uh, guys who are aggressive but skilled, and stand in front of you, make you miss and counter, he is that sort of guy. He shone at last year's Rookie of the Year. He, um, yeah, he just completely outboxed his opponents in the Rookie of the Year, including Kengo, Hatsushika, Shunawai, and the then 5-0 Takumi Chono. He is very, very, very smart for a Japanese boxer. Bright future for him. Minimum weight. Does he have the ability to, to go past that weight? 
I think he probably has the size naturally or the youth to grow into um, to become a flyweight. I think if you're looking for someone to compare him to, it'd probably be Hiroshi Kawashima, who used to uh, box at the same gym that Hideyuki or Hashi used to box at. So I think, yeah, I think he has the size to move up. I think he has the style to move up. Again, he's not reliant on his power. He's reliant on his boxing brain, his ring IQ, his speed, his defense, his movement, his ability to see a shot. So I think he has got the skills, maybe more on the size to move up. There you have it. Katsuki Mori, 6-0, only 20 years old. A bright, bright future for this young man, part of the Ohashi gym, and uh, will be fighting on Wednesday against Yuki Uchida at Crockin Hall. So keep an eye out for Katsuki Mori. Asia- Just one more thing to mention about, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, it's actually a Yokohama, uh, all Yokohama belt. So the two have got local rivalry there as well. They're from sort of pretty much the same area. So that could just add a little bit of needle into the belt. Oh, I love it. I love it when you get two hometown kids going at it uh, against one another. A little bit of a rivalry there. So again, on the 16th, the Ohashi card, Katsuki Mori against Yuki Uchida. The Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. Scott, thank you again for carving out a time during the day to join us and uh, really appreciate your time as always and your work on the website. Uh, thank you, the listener, for joining us here as well. Scott, any, any plans for the rest of the day? The rest of the day we've spent sleeping and eating food. And yourself? Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I want Scott's rest of the day. Sleeping and eating food sounds so good. What's for dinner? Chocolate. Oh, chocolate. Okay. If you do, you have a favorite chocolate, like milk chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate. Uh, hmm. Probably Kinder Bueno. I know your chocolate's very different to what it is over here, so I'm not sure if you get Kinder Buenos, but yeah, give me one of them for Christmas. Hmm. Oh, you're gonna have to send me one. Because we don't have that over here, but uh, it sounds good. What do you get? Um, You know, we have Hershey bars and M&M's. And I, I'm, I'm a big dark chocolate fan, though. Uh, there's something... When I was growing up, I liked milk chocolate. But, uh, yeah, the dark chocolate, there's something about it that just makes it so addicting. And it's supposed to be healthy for you. So if it's healthy for me, why, why can't I eat four or five pieces? He says our bars. Ooh, you know what? Maybe bars. We'll have to go with bars. <laughs> All right, so Scott, that's the rest of his day. Eating chocolate and sleeping. That's going to be excellent. Uh, we hope you have a day as great as Scott out there as well. Thank you again for listening to the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. We'll talk to you next week.